0: Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. All right, y'all. Welcome back to Building Great Sales Teams. I've got a very special episode for you guys today. I've got Travis Terabone. He's the CEO of Gen Gator's. He's an expert in anything, repair and maintenance industry. He's also had a lot of experience with blended families, father wounds, and he's a transformationalist. Travis, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, Doug. I'm really
1: excited, man. I've, uh, I've been watching you uh, over the last probably year and a half, and uh, there's probably like five or six people in um in a best practices group that we're involved called apex that we're both involved in that I've, I've got under my radar and I've taken a lot, a lot of R and D has come from me watching Doug Mitchell, man, a lot of rob and deploy. Uh, So I've been watching you. (laughs) I've robbed and deployed some of your techniques, brother. And um, we, unfortunately we haven't had a fostered a business relationship together, but I look at you as a friend and mentor from afar. So I appreciate you. I appreciate
0: that, man. That, that that that's an honor you know and it it works in reverse too man um you know i've consumed a lot of your content as well i look at you as a spiritual mentor uh yeah. for sure and that's one of the things that we aligned on right away both uh both trying to trying to trying to be like jesus over here
1: <laughs> trying
0: our best right yeah, yeah all right brother well yeah let's get into it so you're on your seventh startup right mm-hmm. and you've done a cumulative Hundred and fifty million between those seven startups. Am I reading that right? That's right. Yep. Can can you kind of walk me through that that journey a little bit and and why I mean why seven businesses, you know, going from one to the other? Do they all have their own situations or you always had a plan for exit? What was your strategy there?
1: Nah, like if somebody's watching this uh, this podcast and, and wants to know what value to pull out of the next few minutes, it's gonna be a great what not to do. Um, and so when I filled out the show notes and, and stuff like that, I felt like it was important for me to be completely candid, uh, because I think there's value to be pulled from that. A lot of people would think, oh man, this guy's done seven startups and done 150 million in revenue. Let me do everything he did. Let me warn you, do not do everything that I did. So, um, you and I have had this conversation before about, um, EOS coming into our lives and it's kind of changed the way I do business and have looked at business and The seven startups uh, six of them uh, or, or five of them uh, Have came before I realized that I was a visionary and a CEO and then I don't have a, a, a COO or surgical bone in my body per se so uh, For me, it was trying to figure out what worked and as an as an entrepreneur and a CEO uh, an owner, operator, you know, the many titles that have been self-proclaimed and given to me by others, I was just trying to figure out what my niche was and what I was supposed to be doing. And I, I would drive around and just have these crazy business ideas that would wake me up in the middle of the night and I would get up and do research and I'm going to start this business and my wife, my first wife was like, I don't even know what language you're speaking right now. Like, why would you want another business when I hear you complain about all the rigors of the two that you have now? So I've done a few different things, man. By trade, I'm, a, I'm a, actually a diesel mechanic. So I started my uh, career after high school. Uh, my dad was a uh, commercial fisherman, shrimp boat down in South Louisiana, which is where I'm from. Uh, and I didn't have much of a relationship with my dad at all growing up. My mom and dad got divorced when I was seven, and so pretty much my 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 life's been graciously ordained by a father wound that we'll unpack later. But when I was a kid, I would want I want to do anything in my in my power to be around my dad. I hated the shrimping industry. I love to eat shrimp, but that's where it stops for me. Uh, I hate it. Yeah. And so, but I wanted to be with dad, you know, so I I got out of my dad's boat and when I was in high school and trying to spend some time with them and, you know, um, we, we had a failure, the engine on the uh, diesel engine on the shrimp boat failed and we went into port and, uh, the mechanic that my dad called came down to the vessel. I still remember the guy to this day. He's actually still in business. Um, shout out to Reynolds Dewey if you're listening. Uh, you inspired me, man. You, he came out to the boat. He fixed the engine in about 15 minutes, and he charged my dad like 1,500 bucks. And I'm like, whoa, awesome. Dad, what's What's up with that? Dude made fifteen hundred bucks in 15 minutes. He's like, yeah, everything we did last night, everything we made just went to that guy and he was the only one here 15 minutes. So at that time, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And so I decided after high school that that's me. I'm going to go be a diesel mechanic. Uh, I didn't have a mechanical bone in my body. Nobody in my mechan- in my family before me has ever been a mechanic. So I got out, went to a trade school in uh, Houston, Texas, called UTI, Universal Technical Institute. I uh, 17 years old, living on my own, figuring it out. Um, I, I, I tested really high on the aptitude test, got in, and then I tested out pretty quick. I finished the course in like 12 months. And then got out of that and then uh, went to work for a, a local shop uh, I think my first job was $7.50 an hour with a certification. And I literally worked there three years. And man, it, it's, it's if I, when I write a book, it's going to be about my career, but everywhere God showed up where I didn't realize that he was there. I went from $7.50 an hour as the guy who was like sweeping the shop floor that all the other mechanics were making fun of. And four years later, they worked for me. That's a true story. So hustle until they hire, ask if you're hiring. I've actually left mm-hmm. right that out. It. So I supernaturally downloaded an ability to troubleshoot at a rapid rate of speed. And so I took that. And my wife at the time uh, wanted to go to school, for was in school for culinary arts. And we got pregnant. Uh, she was my girlfriend at the time. She got pregnant. Uh, we were like, hey, you know, she's like, I'm not going to continue going to school. And I had a little money. I, I had made a little money in my career. I was a pretty frugal at that point in my life. And um, I was like, hey, let's buy a restaurant. And so we looked. It was my first <laughs> startup. Uh, yeah, terrible idea. So that's why I'm saying do not do what I did. But yeah. we, bought, we, we bought a, a failing restaurant. Uh, put my whole life savings into it. And uh, about three or four months after my wife started to get a big, pretty big baby bump, I decided that I was going to quit my job as a diesel mechanic. I was going to go out and uh, run the restaurant during the day for her and with her. And then at night, because my mechanical expertise was in oil and gas, I was going to turn some wrenches, make some 1099 income until this restaurant really got rolling. And we Brought our baby girl into the world. So, long story short, at that point, 2004, I start my first LLC, which was called Industrial Diesel Service. Uh, insert a, a moment right now for every young entrepreneur. There's people out there that may disagree with me. You have your own opinion. When you start your first business, if you if you if you're, if you're automatically thinking I'm going to be a John's service company or Brown's diesel engine. Cause it's your first and last name thinking really small. And so my first LLC was called industrial diesel service because I did not want the company to be about me. I wanted it. I wanted to build something great and I didn't want it to be Travis's diesel engine repair or Terra Bones Mechanic Shop, just thinking yeah, really yeah. big at that time. That's another moment where God was working on me, and I had no idea how or why. As yeah. I have no entrepreneurial uh, genetics in my family. I'm the first. And so didn't know it at the time. Now I look back, and I'm like, wow, I don't even know where I got that thought process from. So I started the business, and I run it for basically 20 years. And in that 20 years, we, I'll take a break for a minute and let you uh, blow me up with some questions. But in that 20 years, man, I learned through the school of hard knocks. I did a hundred million dollars in revenue. I went from my first year in business. I did 250,000 year two. I did about 800 and year three, I did 2.4 million year four. I doubled and hit 5 million in my fourth year and had no idea what the hell I was doing. And so I always tell people now, you know, I've done nine figures in revenue, but I wasn't smart enough to steward 10% of it because I'd be speaking to you from a different context. Had I had a a little self-awareness then and I did not that cost me about a hundred million bucks. (laughs) So that's kind of like how my entrepreneurial journey got started. And then I started a few other little startup companies throughout that. And so now I'm in the power generation business. I've, I've uh, had some major things happen that st- steered me in a different direction.
0: Man, I love that story. I, I I love it because it does it does it comes from a place of, like you said, what not to do, right? Mm. And and our stories are similar. You know, I've probably done in my career about a third of of your production, but it was the same thing. It was like God gave me this amazing talent to build systems and processes and, and be the integrator, you know what I'm saying? And I didn't know where it came from, you know? And so, you know, I, I know that talent was a gift, but I do believe that entrepreneurs are given um, these talents, you know, and not not everybody has them and those talents compress time often like they did for me. Like I was, I was a CEO day one, you know, and it's just different when you think like a CEO, and yeah. you're constantly delegating yourself out of roles and positions, and you don't even know why, right? You know what I'm saying? But that, that's what I'm saying. That's the, the talent that got ordained on me. I feel like, but anyway, so I I relate to that so much. And then the other piece about it is like, man, you know, I did thirty five million with my um, commission sales teams. You know what I'm saying? And again, like you said, in the first in in the year that I did five million, which was our peak, I maybe took home eight percent nine percent i'm saying yeah. just a terrible yeah. business owner you know yeah, yeah and and then and then 13 years in what do i got to show for it you know what i'm mm-hmm. saying i mean i've got a life well lived you know yeah. but yeah. but that's it no assets no no real assets just uh some real estate and, and a real estate investment and that's it you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying 13 years you know so, and so i only i only say that to like really, really drive that home for the, like you said, these young guys that are coming up, maybe they hit their first seven figures. Man, the sooner that you can fill those gaps that you have, which for me, it was financial. sounds like for you, it was financial too. Yeah. The, sooner, the sooner you can fill those gaps that we have, the, the better. But yeah, at, at the end of the day, you have an ability to create revenue. 100%. Rainmaker. Nobody can deny that. Nobody yeah. can deny that, right? Yeah. yeah. And so... Um, let's talk about some of the things that you've capitalized on in order to create that revenue. So the first thing I heard you say was was EOS. And so my nerd alert just went through the roof because that's my jam, right? I have clients literally paying me right now to integrate for them, you know? And so um, tell me about when you found EOS, what that was like and you started understanding Visionary Integrator. What was that journey like?
1: You mind if I backtrack just a second? Yeah, I want, go impl- for it. I want to implore a spiritual point about what you say because I think is it's quintessential. Um when when, when you grow up, because you talked about 13 years, and I don't have really hard assets and, and this and that. And mm-hmm. I'm the same way, you know. Um, so I, I am there's this big connotation going around the circles that we roll in about gurus. Mm-hmm. So I just started a podcast. And I, I will not talk about things that I don't have authority in. Like, I mm-hmm. can't tell somebody how to get a business to nine figures. So the reason mm-hmm. why I talk about startups is because that's where I have authority. I, I'm a rainmaker. Yeah. I'm a yeah. bucket filler. I just can't always, mm-hmm. I couldn't always keep the bucket full. It took me 20 years to know how to do that. And so you said young up and coming entrepreneurs. If you are that guy, you are approaching your first seven figures or even high six figure earner as a 1099 employee or in sales. If you grow up from a rough situation, father wound, mother wound, broken home. You, you grow up with a sense of you don't know you're waiting for people to tell you. I bet you ideally most people in that situations' love languages, words of affirmation because you didn't get that to say good job. I'm proud of you. And so you needed that gratification. And so what's hindered me in my financial stewardship and development is that I needed the immediate gratification. And so if you can learn at a young man or young woman coming out and you're a mover and a shaker, you understand what you are and what you are not. If you are a poor steward of finances, immediately stop growing, learning, and developing anything until you master the art of stewarding finances. Because if you're young and successful, you'll be successful at old, trust me. You, you, the success, you will, you will cultivate success. But if you don't develop stewardship, biblical stewardship of your finances, you will be old, successful in the same position you are as a young person. You'll be grinding it out you'll be making it rain, you'll be bringing in seven, eight, nine figures of revenue and figuring out why you don't have a vacation home and why you got all these bills. So man, young entrepreneurs, if you don't hear anything I say for the rest of the podcast, if you are coming from an area in life where you were missing something growing up and success to you is how you fight out of a corner, obtain a mentor and get some financial stewardship, open the Bible, and come back in 10 years and thank me and Doug because that's the that's the rule, that's the one thing I have authority in because I failed so much at it. So learn how to delay gratification and realize that you are a God-breathed spirit wrapped in sinful flesh. If you follow the desires of your flesh, you will fail every single time. And that's what I did, man. So I won't speak about anything I don't have authority in. I think that's the whole guru phase. Um, people talking about things that they don't have authority in. And I don't, I don't make fun of those people. Let them talk, you know, like, Hey, just talk. People are going to sniff out the real ones. Real recognizes real. And so if you're a real one, stop worrying about the fake ones, man. Um, but yeah, I learned to delay gratification. So sorry, I went off on a tangent, but I no, feel like that was important for young entrepreneurs. It was definitely
0: more than EOS what they needed to hear. You know, that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. real. Because like, sure. if, if we had someone pour into us like you just did, our listeners, yeah. I mean, who knows? You yeah. know what I'm saying?
1: So I'm going to grab this book right here because you asked me about EOS. Yeah. Second only to the Bible, and maybe one other book recommendation I'll make uh, at the end of the podcast, Rocket Fuel changed my life. And I'm going to tell you how it came into my life. Uh, One of my mentors is Steve Weatherford, man. About in 2020, uh, after COVID, I was, you know, you got all the time. I had all the time in the world after COVID. You know, I'm in the gym trying to get jacked. And I'm on Instagram and I see this dude, he's freaking stud. I'm from Louisiana. He punted for the Saints. So I knew who he was and the dude's jacked. And so I buy his program called Armageddon. Ironically enough, him and I, he, he, I, and a bunch of our buddies just started it again, January one of 24. Uh, it's an arm building program. So I'm like, man, I want to get Jack. Oh, Armageddon. Yeah. It's it's his, uh, I'm doing the chest workout.
0: I did this morning. No, no, no. The chest workout I did this morning was called Armageddon chest. I don't know if that has any any relation or not. No,
1: Steve has a program called Armageddon, and it's a Mm 12-week bicep program. supposed to give you two inches on your biceps. It works. I did it back in in 20. So Mm -hmm. I'm following him, and then all of a sudden I'm doing the program, and then his social media presence goes away. And then he comes back, and he's completely transformed. Jesus, like, infiltrated this dude's life. And And I'm like, whoa. And so the first few posts he puts, like I'm sitting in the gym and I'm reading, I'm watching the videos and I just got finished a workout and I'm crying like a flipping baby. And I'm like, man, this is me. You know what? He had a father wound from a present father. Like it, it happens. I mean, hey, dads out there, let me just give you a PSA. You are going to wound your kids in some fashion. I don't care how good you are. You are going to wound them. And so the best thing you could do is know that you're going to wound them and start healing the wounds while you're still raising them. So Steve's a father wound guy, man. We hit it off. And I started doing the program. And this dude gives his life to Christ. And so it prompted me to do so. And fast forward, my wife and I are on vacation in Punta Cana in July of 2022, And the week before, I applied for a program called Man Academy that Steve was putting on for entrepreneurs, only taking 20 guys. So it was 10 grand. And I'm like, oh, my God, I can't, I can't, 10 grand, I can't afford 10 grand. And I'm like, you know, what do I have to lose? Like, I've never invested that much money in myself. Well, let me tell you, I did 100 million bucks in revenue. And I had to put this vacation on a credit card. So I'm doing something wrong. So yeah. I, I, I get a call from Pierce Shaw, which is Steve's um, executive assistant. Piercy and I hit it off on the phone. And he's like, dude, you are tailor-made for this program. You'll be getting a call from Steve. And the next morning, I'm on the phone with Steve Weatherford, sitting on a beach in Punta crying my freaking eyes out again because I need a God in my life, man. I had everything else but God, you know. And so mm-hmm. I missed the part about I screwed up my first marriage and, You know, God gave me a blessing in my second marriage. She's an amazing woman, and she's on the beach with me. She's drop-dead gorgeous. I'm in Punta Cana, but I'm in dead up to my eyeballs. I have a lot of influence. I'm a big fish in a small pond back in my little bitty hometown. Just not fulfilled. I was missing something. And so, man, he's like, we'd love for you to be a part of this program. And so, first month comes up. We're going to do six months, once a month in Frisco. And I show up to the first one, dude, and I'm like, God, I'm going here butt naked. Like, um, I got nothing to lose. I'm Mm going to let everybody know who I am, who I'm not. And that's how it went down. The first day of the program, he's like, everybody's going to get up here and you got 30 minutes of the floor and you're going to give you testimony.
0: And then we're going to love
1: on you. And then we're going to figure out how we're going to grow as husbands, fathers, family, faith, finance, fitness. So I give my testimony. And it struck a chord with a lot of the guys. And so one of the guys says, in a a quiet moment, he's like, have you ever read the book called Rocket Fuel? And I'm like, (laughs) in my mind, I'm thinking it's some type of spiritual book. And he's like, no, no, it's for business owners. Read it. So like that night I downloaded on Audible and on the plane Mm -hmm. ride home, I'm reading it. Here I am again on the plane crying my eyes out. On a business book, because it, it told me who I was and most importantly, who I was not. And so if I give you three pillars or give anybody three pillars that are quintessential to business success, success as a husband, success as a father, whatever you do, you have to have a deep sense of self-awareness. You got to know who you are and you got to know who you are not. And this book came into my life and explained every crazy thought I had, explained every bright, shiny object that passed in front of me that I bit because I couldn't keep my hands off of it. That all kept me from being who I ultimately wanted to be. So, man, favor ain't fair. And God just gave me favor as a, as a business owner and the ability mm-hmm. to to be followable and to captivate an audience and to persuade and I was just wasting it until I read this book and so that's how EOS was in in was brought into my life through a spiritual connection that I still uh, foster to this day.
0: Man, I swear if. If you compress your timeline a little bit and then put it next to mine, everything happened the same way. <laughs> you know, except I remarried the same woman.
1: Oh yeah, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, because she that. forgave. Yeah, she gave she forgave me and gave me a second chance. So well, and by the grace of God, honestly, because we had tried to reconcile several times and she didn't until she came back to God. So He gave me that gift too, and so that was massive for me. But no, I mean, everybody knows that listens to this. I preach EOS um i talk about organizing your business you know and i always tell them to read rocket fuel but one of the things that i like to do to suggest and this is on the tail end of what you're talking about is a software called 90.io the reason i always suggest this software is because i know if they're anything like me they're they're not going to go read the book and so what's going to happen is they go to the software they start going through it and go through the tutorial or whatever because we're active learners you know we got to see and touch and feel stuff and um, they start going through it, and then they realize, oh, shit, this is cool. All right, let me read the thing that – the reason it was made in the first place, you know, because it's an EOS tool, right? And so um, that's where I always point people as well as to Rocket Fuel. I tell them if you want to fall asleep, retraction, you know what I mean? <laughs> or if you really have no attention span, read What the Heck is EOS. Have you ever read that one? That I'm one's like falling. the – the Cliff Notes, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah.
1: You can't, you can't really. You got to do it in the order that they're published. But mm-hmm. I was, I would say this: I've, I've talked to a lot of people who read Traction because mm-hmm. of its, because of the book's success. But yeah. the only way you stay awake through Traction is by proceeding that with Rocket Fuel. Yes,
0: yeah. <laughs> because it gets, it, yeah, it gets
1: exactly. you emotionally invested, and then yeah. at that point you're, you're mm-hmm. in, you know.
0: Those two books is one of the things that taught me the way that I I I want to write, and sure. I want to write with stories, uh, supporting tactics and execution. You know what I'm saying? Because if you know, the, if you listen to my solo episodes, and you don't have a dog in the fight of what I'm talking about, they're boring as hell. Yeah, they agree. are incredibly tactical. They're incredibly like step one, step two, step three, step four. You know what I'm saying? And and you know, every now and then I'll throw in a story, but it's pretty rare, you know, and so I need to get better at weaving in the stories that that were the um, the general or the uh, reasoning for the execution that I'm so convicted on, you know, and yeah. sometimes people need to hear both in order to understand why they should do it in the first place. But
1: sure.
0: No, that's a that's amazing and 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 massive in itself. So I love Steve Weatherford. I follow him and uh, even even Pierce. I, I probably see more of Pierce's stuff now than I do Steve's stuff just because of the algorithm or whatever. And he's doing some amazing things. I mean, he's going to be the next David Goggins, I feel like, you know, oh, but he's going to, you know. Yeah, he, he, he is
1: that guy. Pierce is that guy with a servant's heart. Mm-hmm. Like, man, if I can describe like characteristics of Jesus that I use on a daily basis, I've, I've talked to a uh, I've talked to several friends of mine in, in men's Bible studies that both I lead and I'm a part of, and you gotta, be, in order to get to, to, to live like Jesus, man, you gotta be a professional foot washer. Like you, got, you mm-hmm. gotta be willing at a moment's notice to just wash feet. Yeah, is that guy. Like if you want to, you want you want the secret to having a happy home moment, any moment. Stop him, be, be able to wash feet and do it enthusiastically. Pierce is that guy. Pierce is the guy who, who wants nothing from anyone, who will give you everything, the shirt off his back. He's got his gentle spirit, but he is a lion underneath, man. He just, all of the, I don't know how many, probably ran a thousand miles last year in races. And he's he's coached and trained people for free. I mean, he's done it for me. So, uh, just Pierce, amazing human being. And Steve is pro, pro, Steve's best attribute is that he is probably the best Fisher of men I've ever been around. He just attracts the right type of men that you want in your life. And so, yeah. uh, Piercy was one of those guys. And he's he's 21 years old now, I think, or 22, maybe just turned 22. And he's mm-hmm. freaking, so he's wise and tough beyond his years. So shout out to you, Piercy.
0: Absolutely. So professional foot washer, you got to become yeah. good at washing feet. So what is that? I mean, I, I understand literally, but also mainly metaphorically. Yeah. You know, and, well, and when it comes to business, you know, I feel like that transitions really well. And one of the yeah. things that you hang your hat on is customer service, you know, and, and so in your mind, you know, as we pivot over to business and then eventually sales, um, where, where do you think so many entrepreneurs now are falling short when it comes to servicing the customer?
1: Um, probably that the, the inability, you know, to wash feet mm-hmm. and be really, really good at it and own it and be proud of it and do it emphatically and compassionately and energetically it, it you know, truthfully, if you, you know, I, I hope that everybody that watches this is a spiritual person and is a Christian, but if not, Hey, Jesus's offer still stands and it'll be standing forever. But, you know, to get to, to get and receive the abundant life, you, it's the paradox principle. You have to die to self. Once you realize that in order to live, you got to die, you mm-hmm. you can then become and understand being what being a professional foot washer is. So, like, all right, raising kids and having employees. I'll get really frank with you. Ain't nobody cares what you got to say, but they gonna follow what you do. So, mm-hmm. in your home. If you tell your kids you shouldn't eat, you shouldn't drink soda while holding a Dr. Pepper, (laughs) that ain't going to work. Right. If you're in your office saying, man, you guys got to develop some soft skills, you dumb mother. You know, you got to learn to talk to people, you freaking idiots. Or, you know, you got to show up on time. I mean, I know it's 8.05, but y'all got to, you know, do as I say, not as I do. That's death that mantra is of the world and sure you should give your kids and employees orders and discipline and whatnot. But man, we live in a world where there's everybody in their mom tells you what you should do, but ain't willing to do it. So mm-hmm. when you, when you're in business or you're raising your family, Jesus washed his disciples feet right before he went, went to the cross. And so, He took pride in doing that because it was dying to self. Like, I'm the one everybody's following, but I'm still going to get down on my knees in the dirt and wash your feet. Well, when you wash feet, don't you become immediately followable? Who wouldn't want to follow you if you're a leader that can get down on their level and love on them a little bit? And give them some tactical, practical advice on how to win at life outside of work if it's an employee. Or give your kids some tactical, practical advice down on their level from a foot washer's perspective. And then live it out. Don't talk about it. Be Mm -hmm. about it. And so Mm -hmm. that to me is the biblical representation of what a business leader and any leader should be. And if you're a dictator, you know what? You might have some success. You might have what me and Doug don't have. You might have all the money in the world. You might have well, all the vacation homes in the world. You might have a private jet. Who knows what you got? But you still lacking something. And eventually, you're going you're gonna to be looking for it. And the great thing about being a Christian is that no matter what, Jesus' offer still stands. So for me, the foot washing thing, man, that is my... Look, I'm not here to... Let me just tell you, I said I wouldn't guru anybody. I'm not an expert. <laughs> I'm not right. a professional. My wife might be watching this, saying, "Man, when we had that argument yesterday, you wasn't no foot washer." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the idea is, the idea is, is I'm self-aware enough to know what I'm not and what I want to become, mm-hmm. and I am constantly, you know, that's why they call. Christianity a sanctification process. So it's, not, <laughs> yeah. it's not over, man. I, I'm, I'm still a work yeah. in progress. But being a foot washer, that's what it means to me: is being a leader that's uh, has the ability to get down on their level in the mud and get mm-hmm. alongside yeah. of them and go through it with them.
0: Oh, that's real, and it's you know being willing to do that, especially with your with your clients, and then your your people. You know, I, I I didn't stay in the field long in door-to-door. I was in the field for 90 days. I figured it out. And then I started deploying systems training recruits and and, and putting people out in the field. So I, I wasn't there long. But what my people did see was I was the first one in the door, in the office, in the morning. Well, they didn't see that because they didn't come in for another couple of hours. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. then and then when they called me at night to tell me about their day, they would always ask. And you knew why they were asking. They would always ask, you know, what are you up to? Yep. I'm in the office. I'm doing your payroll right now, I'm cutting your check. You know what I'm saying? I'm in the office. I'm placing ads or I'm mm-hmm. calling recruits. You know, I'm I'm uh, setting us up a new module for that new product that's coming out, you know, whatever the case is. Um and so they always every time they called, I was there, you know what I'm saying? And my I remember my first two years in business, it was ridiculous. Like. Easily 15 hour days, six days a week. You know, the only thing I took off was Sunday, you know, and, yeah. um, but you're right. Like when they see that foot washing, you know, um, they're willing to follow even, even much more. And then so many of us are worried about our saving face or how we look or whatever the case is. And, and we just don't need to be. No, okay. So we're, we're getting tight on time. So I'm going to ask you one more question and then I'm definitely going to have you on again because I know there's a lot deeper we can go on this stuff. Um, What does legacy mean to you and what legacy do you want to
1: leave behind? What a great question. If you follow me at all on social media, you know, like I have a a, a line of uh, apparel that I I haven't launched, but I created some shirts that's called legacy apparel. And all the shirt says on the front of it is legacy. Um, man, for me, a legacy is I want my impact to be the most felt after I'm gone, um, I'm pretty tough on myself right now. And so my great grandfather is the only person in my, in my family who, what I believe intentionally left behind a legacy. Um, And it's a way of thinking. It's a way of living. It has nothing to do with monetary value. It's core values, uh, living out those core values. Um, sowing a seed you know galatians 6 9 is one of my favorite verses it says you know do not grow weary in doing good for at a proper time you will reap a harvest and so legacy to me is i want to blaze a trail that my children my family and my family of choice which are my staff team and employees can build a freeway on and so uh, man it's hard not to get emotional um if you watch the lewis Howes patrick bed david uh podcast which is great by the way lewis Howes asks him a question like this and he gets emotional and i'm thinking about the right answers you i could probably write you a script on the right answer but my emotions took over legacy is everything to me man i'm hard on myself I don't think that I'll ever see what the world calls a win because I keep constantly raising the bar, call it a father wound, call it a maniacal sense of urgency, call it what you want. But um, I'm trying to build something that withstands a test of time. Uh, I want my last name to be synonymous with foot washing leadership, uh, not just business to me, you know. I want my kids, grandkids to to do family dinners because dad did family dinners.
0: You know, mm-hmm. one thing
1: I'll say, last thing I'll say about legacy is um, I'm 43, I'm 42. Give myself a little credit. I'm 42. My great-grandfather was the first man who ever consistently prayed around me. He died during COVID At lived a full life of 96 years old. Um, I still to this day pray in his cadence. I pray with my children the same way he prayed with me. I pray at our meals the same way he prayed with us because I want my kids to say, I pray this way because daddy prayed this way. And that's it for legacy for me, man. So good. Great question.
0: No. And I love the answer too. you know, I do a, I do a talk on building an intentional legacy Mm. and that's what I talk about. Like, you know, all your money can be taken. All your land can even be taken by the government. Um, Everything can be stripped from you. But the one thing that can't be taken is your values. Amen. And that those can continue to be, it's the only thing that will survive, you know, and he, he you know, Hermosi always talks about, we're going to be dust someday. I don't give a crap about legacy, you know? Sure. And I'm like, well, we're, we're conscious, we're spirits. And, and that, that those values will live on through our spirits too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's just like when we were created, you know, we're infinite. And, yeah. and so our, those values that we pass on to.
1: Yeah.
0: And I, I don't believe for a second that they don't have lasting impact, you know? And uh, it's very hard to, to break a legacy like that, in my opinion, like you said, we're having dinner at the kitchen table every night because that's the way that dad did it. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And, and I got three kids. So one of them's going to keep doing it. <laughs>
1: yeah at least one of
0: them will keep doing it no i appreciate you travis thank you so much for coming on the podcast man it has just been a freaking put us to school on uh some of the spiritual things that are ordained to us some of the the things that we need to be good stewards of and uh practical advice like eos and foot washing and customer service (laughs) and clients and and your team you know just beautiful beautiful podcast man um and I've got you at uh, Gators Power Systems on Instagram. Yeah, is where Gen, you can-
1: Gators, Gen Gators Power Systems, uh, mm-hmm. like Generator, uh, and Alligators had a baby called the Gen Gator. <laughs> um, I love that. So we're in the power generation business, uh, home standby, commercial, uh, residential. That's my... Um, that's my baby, my newest startup. I've actually sold or exited every other business I had so that I can Mm -hmm. focus on this one because I started doing EOS and realized that I needed to, uh, get rid of all these shiny objects. And, uh, yeah.
0: Uh, Fantastic. And then, uh, Travis J. Terrebone. And of course we'll include everything in the show notes for you guys so that y'all can follow Travis. If you're not already, uh, definitely go and follow him. He's, uh, a world of a wealth of information i would say
1: both i spiritually just
0: started, and in the business world and you got your podcast coming out
1: yeah i just started a new podcast called prime mover podcast um if you don't know what a prime mover is it's basically the first source of energy that shows up in any area you know when they're going to develop a uh a, a, a subdivision out in the middle of the sticks the first thing that shows up is a dozer to start clearing land well that's the prime mover and then uh an okay an engine or a power generator could be a prime mover, but I look at it as, can you be a prime mover? Who's the guy that brings the energy every day? Who's the initial source of energy? We call it being a thermostat, not a thermometer. I want to set the mm-hmm. temperature, not tell the temperature. And so prime mover podcast is uh, Doug Mitchell's going to be hopefully one of my first guests. We've been kind of building a show out. We shot a pilot and uh, and one episode last week. And so, Check us out, primemoverpodcast.com. Uh There's a form to fill out. I'd love to have. You don't have to be an entrepreneur. Uh, if you want to be real and talk real life and real stories and you got some value to add, then you think you're a prime mover. Uh, come on, check us out.
0: Appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much for coming on the Thank show. You.
1: Love you, bro. Have a great one. Thank you so Let's much. Amen.